God, you're the Lord over our lives. God, I lay my life down before you. I live a laid down life. Huh. I live a laid down life. My position shall always be prostrate before you. I live a laid down life. a laid down life I worship you God I live a laid down life Jesus for I have nothing to boast in everything that I have and who I am I have nothing to boast in because if it wasn't for your glory, if it wasn't for your power, if it wasn't for your grace, if it wasn't for your mercy, I would be nothing and I still am nothing. God, I live a laid down life. I only do the will of the Father. There shall be that shall be my theme of my life. I do the will of the Father. I live a laid down life. That's my only position. That is my only position. life dedicated to the Father is tough. It is tough because we are dichotomous. We wrestle with the flesh. We wrestle with the spirit every day. And so our position shall always be laid down before the Father, before I do anything to start my day, I live a laid down life.
I give you all of me Even if it costs me my life I give you all of me Every cent that I have I give you all of me If it causes me to per be persecuted in your name's sake I give you all of me You're asking of us to take up the cross. I give you all of me. You're asking us to ignore the world system and to follow the kingdom system. I give you all of me. I give you all of you and we bless you and oh God we rededicate our lives back to you Father daily I rededicate my life to you Father I got to I got to some days I don't feel like doing your will I'd rather do my own thing but I know doing my own thing is going to get me in trouble so I might as well do the will that guarantees fullness of life and I do a will even though it may cause me a little pain but I serve a God that gives comfort So God, I bless your people. I, I pray for your people that they will continue to do your will. And God, whatever it is you're calling for us to do, Father, that we will make sure we count the cost. For the word commands us to count the cost before you decide to do anything for God because you don't want to be doing the work and then not finish it. So we thank you, God, for this theme of being committed, God. And God, you are asking more from us, oh God. And so God, I pray that the people of God will understand that your will is the only will that matters and that this world is going to pass away but the kingdom of God shall always stand forever and ever and ever. In Jesus' name, Luke chapter 14. Luke 14 and been on a theme of um, com being committed <clears throat> and um, we've been talking about being committed to starting a business being committed to 
start school or just being committed to start something and to stick with it. And we've been talking about being committed to the Father and seeking his will only. <clears throat> and so I'm closing out this series today. I hate to be picky, but can I get warm water? That thing done shot my throat, that cold water. Um, <clears throat> and um, as I've been meditating um, on just being committed this whole month, I've been it's been smacking me in the face. I don't know about you all. But this whole theme has just been, really been um, beating me down as far as um, I need to get it together. And um, I came across this scripture, Luke 14 and 25, and it talked about counting the cost. And um, we get so caught up in church, you know, being emotional and feeling things and when the altar call comes and we, we yield, we cry, say, Lord, I give you my life. I, I do what it is that you call me to do, Father. I won't do this no more. I'm all about you. And then about an hour later, we're back doing what it is that we told the Lord we weren't going to do anymore. Yep, I'm guilty of it. So, And so... Um, the Lord, these past few months, has been really um, lighting the fire under me and um, telling me to get some things in order because my next assignment is coming. And I can't stand Daryl. And, um, and um, there's some things that I have to get in order, and I've been slacking. And I know the enemy has been just been giving me the spirit of sleepiness. Because every time I come home from work, I, I get ready for bed. I just be ready to go to sleep. Every time I get home, <laughs> sit on the couch and watch and see how it is until I fall asleep. And I'm just like, no, I, I, I have things I need to do. And so this week, um, preparing for this message, it was a tough message. Because this is just like, this is my life right here. And this is um, committed, but it's counting the cost. So verse 25 says, um, now large crowds were going along with him. And he turned and said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which one of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who observe it begin to ridicule him. Verse 30 saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king when he sets out to meet another king in battle would not first sit down and consider whether he is strong enough 
with 10,000 men to encounter the one coming against him with 20,000? Or else, while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So then none of you can be my disciple who does not give up all of his own possessions. Father God, we thank you, God, for your word that never fails, that was breathed and inspired, oh God. And so it has all truth in it, God. So we thank you, and I, I pray, oh God, that um, the word that you've given unto me, God, to give the people, and I pray, oh God, that they will be charged to do what it is that you have called for them to do. I lift you up and I glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, Jamal, there's a bottle of water right where my computer is at. That's room temperature. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Bless you. I get that. Yeah, give me that one. I just remembered it was there. Um, so, like I've been saying, um, the Lord has put a charge on me to um, step up my game and to do what it is that he um, has been calling for me to do. And I know I can't be the only one out there that the, uh, the Lord has been tugging at you to do something for him, and you have not done it. And since the Lord gave me this charge, I've been really sitting and counting the cost. And um, there are times when God will ask you to do things that requires you to give up everything that you've just accomplished for his name's sake. And this happened twice. I remember sitting, in, before I bought my house, I was sitting in my apartment, good rent, cheap rent, beautiful place, Silver, Silverton, you know, just beautiful. And I'm sitting there and I'm playing music and I just kind of decompressing for the day. And I said, Lord, I may not have much, but I thank you for what I have. And in, I'm telling you, this is not even being dramatic. Instantly, I got a knock at the door. And it was um, a neighbor. And she was like, did you get the note that I was on the door? And I said, no, I just got back in town from St. Louis. And uh, she was like, we all got to move out next week. And I was like, wow. And I was like, okay, well, I got to do what I got to do. Thank God my mom lived a few houses down, literally a few houses down. So I stayed with her. And then I remember when I was going through the process of getting my house. It was the toughest time getting my house. And um, I remember when I finally got everything situated and settled in my house, finally starting to like my house, because houses are just, they just a lot of work. And so I was like, okay. Same that same prayer. Father God, I thank you for what I have. <laughs> I may not have much. Forgetting that I just prayed this prayer like three years ago. I may not have much, but I thank you for what I have. And then another call came saying it's time to go. And I was like, I just, I literally just bought this house. But the Lord reminded me, he said, didn't I tell you what you was going to do with the house when I gave it to you? Forgetting 
or just purposely forgetting, it's like, okay, this house is not for me. It's for somebody else. And so I'm in a position now of getting ready to go to my next assignment, wherever that will be. And so I'm, I'm, it's, it's crazy because everything has fallen in place. Um, everything, I mean, it's, it, it's amazing how everything has fallen in place. That makes me sit and question, like, is this really God? Like, everything is so perfect. But then I started realizing, like, I have to, I can't take anything with me this next assignment. And I just have to go. And that sometimes the Lord will call you to a place where you have to give up everything. You have to really sit before you say yes to God. Uh, you sit there and you count the cost. I don't know about you all, but I've never been taught that in church. Because we, we've always said, you know, God wants your yes and just do what the Lord is telling you to do and all this stuff. But they don't never tell you that in the midst of saying yes, <laughs> that you might lose friends, family, money. You might lose those things that really matter to you to do the will of the Lord. And so when, when you are in Christ, when, you, when you've given your life to Christ, that's um, in the justification, being saved, um, the church never teaches us that there's, a, there's more steps that you need to take once you become saved. It's just not just saying yes to God and everything's going to be just fine and dandy. But the Lord, he uh, is our savior. And so the Lord, Elohim, is our creator. But there's another, Lord, there's another side to the Lord that requires, us, that requires us to say yes to his lordship. Meaning that he has rule, reign, and dominion over our lives. Now, have you? Now, I was I was once this person, but have you ever seen those type of people that become saved and still live the life they did before they became saved? <laughs> yes, I've seen it. Um, I was that I was that person, and you were seeing another person that really you know dedicate their lives to Jesus Christ. They study, you know, they pray. They seem like they're real disciplined. The difference between um, the one who um, decides to uh, study and pray is that they come into the position of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. And you have to understand when Jesus was calling his disciples, they counted the cost too because they had to give up family, jobs, everything to follow Jesus Christ. And so I want to challenge you all because there, I know some people have been feeling a tugging from the Lord um, to, to, to learn more of him. And let me debunk, oh, I'm getting in trouble, but let me debunk this, uh, this uh, tradition of the church when we say, you know, I feel that the Lord is calling me to preach. Okay, all right. Um, and um, what it is, though, is a call to come closer to him because only in the Bible only disciples preached and so you can't just become a believer and then think you're gonna preach and not know his word 
And so there, there's a period of time that you have to go through to learn about Jesus Christ and to learn about his word and to live daily, um, live a life that's pleasing to God. And then you'll hear the call to preach. But it's not preach like I got my assignments and Camille made me a website and business cards. and No, 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 no. Because when you preach, it's to the unsaved. It is the ministry of reconciliation. You're trying to bring the world the message of Jesus Christ. That's the ministry of reconciliation. Trying to reconcile the people to, back to God. And you have to know the word. <laughs> you have to know what the Bible is saying before you can preach the message of reconciliation. And so I know that a lot of you all have been feeling a tug maybe, maybe to preach or maybe to study more. And um, my assignment as one of the leaders here in the church is to equip you all. That is my only assignment, is to give you resources, is to pray with you, is to check in with you. Now, <laughs> I remember when we first started this church and there were several people that wanted to like link up with me. And I, as y'all know, I'm not really, I'm becoming better at being a people person. But <laughs> thank you, I appreciate it. But when, when you really decide to become a disciple, Leaders are going to be tougher on you. They're going to hold you accountable to some things. And it's not being mean. We just see goodness and greatness in you. And so we're going to push you to your limit. And you may call me some names. And I know a lot of people have. But I'm only, pu <laughs> I'm only pushing you because first that's my assignment to push and I know that there is greatness inside of you. You're welcome. And so, uh, when we decide to be called um, lifelong learners of Jesus Christ, this is not just obtaining a bunch of head knowledge, okay? But the, we're put, putting yourself in the position um, to obey and to recognize truth, okay? Um, the call, this is the call to advance his kingdom by proclaiming Jesus Christ to the world so that they know that he is the, our Lord and Savior, okay? So we accomplish that um, through our walk and by showing, showing the world that he has rule, reign, and dominion over our lives. It's, it's shown through our interactions with one another and how we respond to situations and how we are stewards over our lives through the word of God. This is how God is lifted. And when we lift him up by obeying him and loving one another, that's when God would do the drawing. Because I know some of you all had interactions with people maybe on your job or just being out, and they said, man, there's something different about you. Somebody just went off on you and you did not cuss them out. You say, maybe you did. I didn't fail. You don't fail that test. That's okay. You failed that test, but it will come back around. <laughs> it's a process, especially me driving on the highway. I will. Okay. So it's a process, y'all. <laughs> it's a process. I've slowed down. 
After you get so many tickets, you slow down. Amen. <laughs> Ooh, I wasn't being a steward over my money. I was giving it to the government. But, <laughs> but you, you respond differently to situations, and that's how the world knows that you belong to somebody else. Like, you're just not one of us. And so going to another level of um, giving your life to following Jesus Christ or discipleship requires a cost, and it must be carefully considered. So um, one must go from seeing God just being their provider and to see God as being Lord over their lives. This is allowing God access to every area of your life. Finances, the way you dress, the way you talk, the places you go, God has total control over that. And that's a decision that you got to really think about because you have to realize that my life is not mine to live. So apart from counting the costs, um, one must be willing to deny themselves. Um, deny yourself and deny the experience that, you, that you've been experiencing in life and to give authority and primacy to the word of God. So many of us, you know, do not study the Bible because we, we talked about this kind of in TLC that um, we allow our experiences to trump whatever the word of God says. Because we experienced this, so you can't tell me that is not true, but the uh, prince of the air, the father of lies, he gives us experiences to knock us off and to really just kind of keeps us in, in circles. And so when you decide to submit your life to Jesus Christ, it's not an emotional experience, okay? or a choice that we make at the altar, okay? This is a lifelong decision that requires you to really think about it. Committing your life to Jesus Christ is a serious choice. Many, uh, many are believers of Jesus Christ, but they not have made the Lord Jesus Christ the Lord over their lives. So making a commitment to Jesus starts with a willingness to renounce all loyalties in preference to Jesus Christ. Loyalties as... Um, religious organizations and the traditions of man and denouncing whatever, whatever the Baptist church taught you and whatever the Kojic church and Pentecostal church and all that stuff, denying all that that they taught you and to really take hold of the word of, 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 the word of God. So counting the costs um, means recognizing and agreeing to some terms first. So in following Christ, you simply can't follow your own inclinations no more. You cannot follow him in the world's way at the same time. You can't serve two masters. You can't do it. So following him may means we lose relationship, dreams, material things, or even our lives. Matthew 7 and 13 says, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter it, for the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. And there are a few who find it. Many have loyalties, like I said, to a bunch of, you know, Baptist churches and Kojic and Methodists and Lutheran, whatever your background was. Um, we have even loyalty to what our parents have taught us. And um, loyalty to what our mentors may have taught us. 
And in order, if you, if you um, really want to follow Christ, you have to lay all that down. So the biggest loyalty, like I said, that we must overcome is our experiences, though. God cannot lead us and be successful because of the prince of the world is going to keep giving um, life experiences and is going to stop you from following God's word. And the toughest is giving up our loyalty to our family. I don't know about you all, but I love my family. When we get together, we have a ball, a ball. They cannot be Snapchat, Instagram, not, no, we have a ball. <laughs> and so there's a point where you have to lay all that down and follow Jesus Christ. And so uh, nowadays, the church is more, rela- uh, more religious than relational to, with God. So in John 8 and 31 says, so Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed in him, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. Not, your, not the pastor's word, not your parents' word, not your teacher, whatever. If you continue in my word, Jesus says, then you are truly disciples of mine. So your mind must be transformed. That means that all of I mentioned, all of the loyalties that I've mentioned, um, that contribute to shaping of your mind must be thrown out. So I believe many of us have a really thwarted view, really messed up view of Jesus, of who God is. So we, we understand God to be our provider, answers prayers when we get in trouble. You know, we, we're so quick to call on God, to pay a bill and all this stuff. But we do not understand him as being the Lord over our lives. So we want God to show up every time um, and come through, and he does. When will he come through? Every time, every time, and we sing it, we holler it, and everything. But when God starts asking things from us, we fall out, we are at the altar, the prayer team got to pray for you, got to bring out the buckets, got to every, the sheets. We thank God for the sheet ministry, the sheets and everything, and now I think we gotta pay. We gotta pay Daryl to come clean this carpet because y'all done. Lord have mercy. Every seat is about fifty dollars a piece to clean. I'm just only because the Lord asks you to do something. They give up. Give up your friends and stop dating that guy that ain't no good for you. Oh Lord. He paid half my rent, Lord. I just can't do it. (laughs) Lord, have mercy. We ask him to do all this stuff. We at the altar crying, Lord, take this cup away from me, Lord. I can't do it. It's just like, but the Lord laid down his life. He went to the cross and received lashes and all this stuff so that we can live. But God is telling you to move out that house and stop shacking up. And we falling out at the altar thinking it's the end of the world. But you don't realize it's the beginning of something new. Yeah. So, oh, man. But in our selfish, fleshly ways, we think that we shouldn't have to sacrifice anything for the Lord. We think the Lord owes us something. Oh, the devil was dumb. The, the, enemy, the God doesn't owe us anything. He paid everything already. 
In Matthew 16, 24 to 26, it says, um, Then Jesus told his disciples, If any one of you come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Whoever will save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? And so uh, in that scripture, is talking about taking up the cross. And so taking up the cross doesn't mean what you go through daily, the trials and tribulations. Everybody has trials and tribulations. The world has trials and tribulations because of the sin of men, because of the fall of men. Everybody go through trials and tribulations. So it's not what you go through. It's not, it's not you can't pay a bill and all that. No, it's not that. But when you are taking up your cross, that means that you are suffering for his namesake. And in that, you have a choice whether to bear the cross for his name's sake. Matthew 5 and 11 says, Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecute the prophets who were before you. In Matthew 10 and 22, it says, And you shall be hated by all men for my sake sake but he that endures to the end shall be in Matthew 10 and 39 he says he that findeth his life shall lose it and he that loses his life for my sake shall find it in Matthew 18 and 20 it says for where there are two or three that have gathered together for my sake I am there in the midst in Matthew 19 it says whoever has forsaken houses and brothers and sister, father, mother, and children for my sake shall receive many times as much and shall have his inheritance of life of the ages. And Mark 9, it says, for whosoever shall give you but a cup of water to drink for my sake, because you are Christ, I assure you, he shall not lose his reward. Jesus answered him in John 13 and 38. He said, will thou lay down your life for my sake? In Acts 9, it says, for I will let him know the great sufferings which he must pass through for my sake. And in Revelations 2 and 3, it says, and you endure patiently and have bore burdens for my sake. And have never grown weary when you start doing the will of God for his name's sake. He's going to give you power and authority to endure. So it's nothing about the world, worldly things, worldly trials and tribulations is when they start persecuting you. That's that's when you're when you're living the life for God, for his name's sake. That's when you begin to start burying and carrying the cross for Jesus Christ. And that's what counts in heaven. Now, I've, all, I've, been, pre, well, I've been talking about this for the past months about rewards in heaven. And it's not really taught in church as much. But when you begin to give up your life and give up things for Jesus' name's sake, that counts in heaven. So you have a choice whether to live a life of a believer or to live a life 
of a disciple or follower of Jesus Christ. Because when you get to heaven, you're going to be real salty. Let me tell you. You're going to be real salty when you come to heaven and you just decide just to be a believer. I'm just so glad I made it in to heaven. And you're asking, you asking one of the angels, where, where am I supposed to stay? Right there in that corner over there in that little shack, that little hut. Because <laughs> outside the gate. Because you... <laughs> Because you decided that living your life on earth was much more important than to store up treasures in heaven. And then there are those who are going to have crowns. <laughs> They're going to have robes, mansions in heaven. Just like on earth, when Jesus was, Jesus was on earth, he had the 12 that were really close, the three the 12, the 70, and the 120, that's how it's going to be in heaven too. There's going to be those who are really close to Jesus, really close to Jesus, and there's going to be those who are going to be afar. But you in there, you in there, but you got to live eternity being far from, from the Father. And we can no longer be satisfied with just being in there. I want for you all to start storing up treasures in heaven. And so I write rulership because the Lord said, I will make you ruler over, over the little things, but then I'll make you ruler over many. And in heaven, you're going to be rulers over many things. But he has to trust you here on earth with the little. So, because I, I realized that our lifespan on earth is only 70 to 80 years. Three scores, right? <laughs> and so you're only enjoying life's riches here on earth for only that time, probably even less because a lot of us are, are checking out of here earlier and earlier. And so that is the only time you're able to enjoy your riches. But, imagining, but imagine working to store up treasures in heaven that will last you for a thousand years and to eternity. Yeah. And we're, we're not taught that in church. We, we're, we're taught, get yours now. If you sow a seed, God going to bless you with millions right now. And all this gibberish. Oh, just all that stuff. But ain't teaching about storing up treasures in heaven and being close to the Father. Could you imagine just chilling with God in heaven? Because you... You suffered for his namesake. So becoming a disciple, you must deny everything that you know. So in Luke 10 and 22, it says, All things that have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and who the Father is except the Son, and the one to whom the Son will to reveal him. So you must get to a point where you, get, where you have to say, I don't know anything. I don't know God. I don't know church. I don't know anything. God, teach me your ways. Teach me your ways. I remember I was in a class with one of my mentors. Uh, you guys met him, Ron. I was in his class, and he began to teach, really teach this Bible. And I'm sitting here like, that ain't what we've been taught and all that stuff. And he was just like, that's wrong. What's your traditions a church has been teaching you is wrong. Read the Bible. He said, read it. And so when I got to that point, I was just like, this church is a lie. And I was so upset. And I got to a point where I said, Lord, just teach me your ways. 
debunk everything that I thought I knew. Because, we, you know, we, we know church. We can church, y'all. We, we can do order of service. We can do everything. I know every, if you were a church baby, you did church at home. Everybody was the choir member doing the announcements, the preacher, everything. You, you got church that you can mock and mimic everybody in church. I would, me and my sister would get in trouble at night because we sitting there mocking and mimicking everybody before going to bed. And everybody saying, roll over, go to bed, be quiet. We got church down pat. But we have to really get rid of all those traditions of man because it, it means nothing. It's like wood, stubble, and hay that's going to be burned up when we're facing the beamer seat. Because you're going to be like, well, Lord, I served on the, the usher board. I was the pastor um, anniversary committee leader. I was, I was the president of the choir. I, 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 I was over the praise dance. I did all this stuff. Lord, don't this matter? We said, well, how many disciples did you make? How many people did you bring to me? What did you do? Well, I, I cooked for the, for the pastor's anniversary. Well, he, he, he said, he ain't even here. Um, that's not going to matter. And, and churches are tricking people to believe that if you're faithful to a local church, <laughs> that that is going to count in heaven. And I realized that because um, someone posed a question online about parent, rate, living in households where parents are absent because they spend so much time in church. So we've been teaching people, bamboozling people, telling them they have to come to every meeting every week. But your household is suffering and you're not raising your children to be disciples of Christ bamboozle man I was in church every every day we, Monday night choir rehearsal Wednesday Bible study Thursday night youth youth thir Saturday karate all this stuff Sunday church and start all over don't you got three services in one day usher board anniversary missions meeting missionary anniversary all that stuff we are wasting time and as we are wasting time, it's being burnt up. It don't mean nothing. Oh, Lord, help the people, Lord. So I thought I was already a disciple of Christ because I, went, I had training. I went to school. I was in leadership. And the Lord reminded me of a story of a young scribe who came to Jesus wanting to follow him wherever he uh, went. And it's in Matthew 8 and 18. And he said, now when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to depart to the other side of the sea. And a scribe said to him, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus said to him, the foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Now, you have to understand that scribes were very educated. They were the equivalent of lawyers. And so um, they, they did a lot of teaching in the synagogue. They were Pharisees. They were always um, clashing with Jesus Christ. But this one scribe 
decided that he wanted to follow Jesus Christ because he's, he's used to being, having mentors. He's used to being taught. So it was like, oh, okay, this is going to be a cakewalk following Jesus. But Jesus' response was, if you follow me, there will be no guarantee that you will have a luxurious place to live. Foxes have holes, but birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man have no place to lay his head. So following Jesus will cost you something. Even I said with the disciples, they had to give up everything. But Peter, he still had a home. He still had a wife. He still had family. Um, following Jesus as a disciple does not necessitate of like giving up, giving up everything, but it's the willingness to use everything for the advancement of the kingdom. So if the Lord bless you with a car and, you, and he needs you to go pick up sister such and such for church, it shouldn't be an issue. If one of your brothers is falling on a hard time and needs some, somewhere to stay just for a few weeks, just a few days, a few, few weeks, the Lord is working. I said it's a process. A few days. It shouldn't be an issue. <laughs> the Lord is working. Yeah, right. Thank you for the work, Lord. So I like my quiet house. Amen. But um, <laughs> if the Lord has a need for anything you have for the kingdom, it wouldn't be an issue. Okay? So leaving everything doesn't mean leaving everything literally. What Peter did is he made... Um, following Jesus, all the disciples made following Jesus a priority. Okay, so it may, but some for some it may include giving up everything. And so when that comes around, you have to be willing and able to say yes if you are a disciple of Jesus Christ. For some of us, can we give up our reputation in the community? Can we give up our vice president status and being a manager or a director and all that stuff. Can we give that up for Jesus Christ? If he's calling um, you from managing businesses to come and serve tables, can you do that? He said, I need you in that position because there's somebody there that I need for you to bless. Well, Lord, can't you use somebody else to do it? No, I, I ask you to do it. Because that's how I felt at my job. I love my job. It's really cool. It's, I could do whatever. But I get so bored doing the repetitive thing over and over again. So I was looking for another job. And the Lord was like, no, I need you to stay there. Because where you are is going to connect you to where you need to be next. <laughs> so y'all, when y'all at these jobs and you feeling fidgety and just ready to go, you better make sure that the Lord is about to move you before you decide just to quit. And then you expect the Lord to just come and provide a blessing. But I told you to stay at that job. And then you done turned up and got suspended and got fired. And then you expect for me to, to come through. But I had something for you, but you didn't seek my will. So you have to make sure whatever move you make that is orchestrated by God. And people may not understand why you even in that position. Like, you hold all these degrees. Why are you in this position? Blah, blah, blah. This is where the Lord told me to be. I wanted to apply for all these managerial positions, blah, blah, blah. And the Lord was like, no, stay right there. Because it's going to take you to your next place. So uh, 
when you, when you decide to follow Jesus, you have to throw out all your dreams, <laughs> throw out all your aspirations, throw out all that stuff. Because how easy it is for us to become preoccupied with our own dreams and miss God's perfect plan for our lives. Because I can remember when I was in high school, and you know how they say, you know, get ready for college and what you want to be when you grow up and all that stuff. And I was ready. I was going to be a doctor. I was going to be a pediatrician. I was going or a medical examiner. I wanted to do that. Or I was ready to go to the Marines because I was looking at West Point really hard. Yeah, I was like, what? Yeah, I, I was ready. I was ready. Yeah, I could probably see like, yeah, I see it. You're a little tough. Yeah, I was, I was ready. I had those plans in mind. But I remember hearing the call from the Lord while being, um, at, that, at that time, I chose to go to mortuary school. So I was in my last semester of mortuary school, sitting there in class, and the Lord said, get up and leave. Wow. And I was like, what? I'm almost done. I ain't got no debt for real. I got scholarships. I was paying this thing off. And the Lord was like, no, I have something else for you to do. And I remember sitting there with my um, pastor's wife, and we're sitting there, and I was the youth director at that time. And I was like, I really? Right, yeah, I was a youth director, y'all. Can you believe that? That's <laughs> We have fun. Um, and I was, I was sitting there, and I said, I really feel that the Lord is calling me to go to Bible college. And she, 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 she prayed with me. She wrote me letters of recommendations and all that stuff and made sure that I got in. And so I went from being a doctor, making money, making money, to becoming a, a Bible scholar. And I was just like, this don't make a drop of sense. But the Lord was like, there's a plan. I need you to remain faithful. And that's all that God is calling for us to do is just to remain faithful you may not understand the path that you took in life, but it makes total sense to God. I promise you, it makes total sense. And all he wants us to do is just to be faithful to it. And to a disciple, they're in tune to the spirit of God, to the voice of God. Because there are times when God is going to tell you to move and you have to do it quickly. You can't just wait. You can't waver. You can't fall out and stuff. One who, who gives their lives to God moves when God says moves. So God will tell you things. There's a guarantee if you say yes to God. It's a guarantee, 100% guarantee that God was going to tell you things that you don't want to do. Guarantee it. Abraham did not want to offer up Isaac as a sacrifice. Moses did not want to go to Pharaoh. Okay? Joseph did not want to spend all those years in prison. And Jesus the Christ did not want to go to the cross. He said, take this cup away from me. I'm not even thirsty. Take this cup away from me. But he had to do it. So sometimes we feel like the Lord is invading our lives. We feel like the Lord is messing up all our plans, and we feel like he doesn't know what's best for us. We, we, we may not say it, but we act like it through our actions. And we act like we, we are experts of living. Like, we know what to do. Like, we've been living for 30, 40 years, and we were experts. But the Lord's been around for eternity, and he, he knows what's best for us. 
So as I mature, I realize that this life is not for me to live. And we must understand that when you dedicate your life to discipleship, God is not trying to ruin your life. Okay? God has our best interests at heart. So discipleship was not designed to help God out, but, um, but discipleship was developed to help us out and help us to live a life that's pleasing to God. So you have to remember that if you are saved, that means you, are, you were purchased with a price, right? We, um, so we are not our own. So we have been born again, and our lives should be hidden in Christ because God owns us. We have no say. We, 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 man, we tell God what to do. God heal them. God bless me. God give me. No. He's sitting there like, who are you? You're going to be like, Job, did, were you there when I created? The... Jesus. In Colossians 3, it says that if you were raised in Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above and not things on the earth, for you died and your life is hidden in Christ. Yeah. So we, we really do not believe being a disciple is in our best interest. We feel like that we must take care of ourselves and, and um, be about our own business. Because I remember a few years ago, I was, I'm telling you, I was about that money. I was like, if you, if you work with me on any project, you believe RFGM or whatever, I'm about the money. What Camille doing at the office getting this money? That was my statuses for a long time. Like, I am not on nobody's crap. I am on getting this money. D-I-S. This money. <laughs> and so the Lord was like, okay, that's fine and dandy, but I need you to do something for my namesake. And then I'll provide what you need. I'm going to say this money. Lord ain't say that. But I will provide... <laughs> What you need, because you uh, you seek my kingdom first, and everything is going to be added. <laughs> so, um, Jesus guaranteed that those who left or gave up the things for the kingdom will receive a hundredfold. And in Scripture, it says, and Peter says to them, "See, we have left everything, Jesus, and followed you. What then will we have?" Jesus said to them, "Truly, I say to you, in a new world." When the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you have followed me, will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And every, everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or land for my sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. So there's nothing wrong with wanting to be exalted or wanting to be first or living a life um, or being free or being a leader. Well, Jesus is saying that um, this must be done for his namesake. So the key of being first is being last. The key of living is dying. The key of being free is being Christ's slave. The key of getting is giving. The key to being a leader is being a servant. The key of being exalted is to live a life characterized by humility. Everyone wants to live, but no one wants to die for Christ. 
Everyone wants to be free, but no one wants to be a slave. Everyone wants to get money, and no one wants to give. <laughs> so I felt that song, but that was, that was fleshly, so I wasn't going to sing it. <laughs> but this is so hard for us to believe. Y'all pray it for me. I will be paid back in the kingdom. But we really don't value kingdom because we don't understand kingdom. So we want it right now because we feel that we need to live right now. So we try to make things happen on our own. But God is trying to free us up from that so we can focus on what it is that he wants for us to do. So we don't have to work hard at living in life anymore. Because when you, once you put his agenda first, that he makes sure everything else is taken care of. So... God will give us more that we can ever ask or think. And he will give you strength to endure. Ephesians 1, it says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father, our Lord and Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he will grant you according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who was able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works inside of us. To him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ. We know that scripture. We sing, we sing it, but we don't believe it. So following God, I keep saying it, it, it it's going to cost you something. And before you say yes, you must count the costs. Jesus is calling his people to be in disciples. And, um, and he's reminding us that it's like building a tower that you don't want to leave half finished because you don't have enough commitment or any resources to finish it. And he reminds us it's like going to war and realizing you don't have enough soldiers to win the battle or to defeat the enemy. So one must say, well, some, some may say, well, I don't know what lies ahead, so I don't really know what to count. I don't even know the specifics of this, of this cost, but Jesus, he just wants you to be prepared just in case he asks all of you that you are ready to give whatever he asks for. Jesus is saying to us, no matter what, I'm yours and you are mine at any cost. I have already purchased you and no one can pluck you out of my hand. I just, the Lord is saying to us, I just need for you to trust me. It's okay that you haven't made that next step in life. It's okay that you're just still at a believer state. I'm not condemning you because I don't have power to do that. There's no condemnation. I'm, I'm just, I'm charging you to move from just living a life of just being saved, but move into a life that you're doing the will of the Father. That is the charge we have. The last scripture is Philippians 3, 7 through 10. It says, but what things were gained to me, this I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus our Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, 
and I count it as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in, in Christ. The righteousness of God is the righteousness from which God by faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. So that is the call that God is calling for us to, to, to accept. You already, give, you already gave your life to the Lord through salvation. But now the Lord is saying, I have more that I'm requiring for you to do. And we sing that song with your heart and soul. Say yes. You can stand. There's a point where in, in your life where you got to throw all your dreams and aspirations out. What you want to do with your life. And to really call on the Lord and say, Lord, what is, what is it that you want for me to do? And it's not, let me tell you something. I'm going to debunk another thing. I'm about to get in trouble for this too. God is not just going to mystically reveal to you what it is that he wants for you to do. It's only going to come through his word. Let me explain. So when you begin to understand who God is and his plan for your life and what he requires for you to do, then the Lord begins to, to prod you or begin to tug you in the direction that you need to go in. It's not going to come falling at this altar. It's not going to come screaming and hollering, whatever. But it comes when you're dedicating your life to the word of God. That's why I said I live a laid down life of studying and reading his word. That's all that God is requiring for us to do. And then in that, he's going to show you where you need to go next. And you're going to have to be able and ready to say yes at any moment. Father God, we thank you. Saying yes to, to you, Father, is hard because we're fighting with the prince of this world. We're fighting with the ways of this world. And we see other people succeeding. We see people with money and cars and all this stuff. And you're asking, how come I don't have that stuff? But the Lord is trying to show us that there is more in life than having all this stuff that's eventually going to pass away. So, Lord God, I pray for the people of God that they will understand the importance of doing your will and storing up treasures in heaven. I want to see my brothers and sisters in Christ in heaven with me, living the good life. Enjoying the riches that they stored up from all these years. So the call today that I'm going to make is that I've, I've, I've been living my life the way I want to. 
but I'm ready to say yes to God. Where, whatever, whatever he wants me to do, wherever he wants me to go, I'm going to say yes. And let me tell you something, you're not going to be alone when you, when you say yes to God because God is raising up leaders to help and to equip you. He's raising up people to be there with you through your process because the church is supposed to take care of their own. So if I see you yielding a yes to God and God just took everything from you, then I, as a, a sister in Christ, should be able to lend something to you to help you because you, you done said yes to God for his namesake. Now I begin to understand why when they started the church and they brought all their possessions and laid it down and all that stuff and began to divide it because they knew in few chapters later that they were going to be in persecution. They, they were scattered. They had to leave everything they, they had to go minister the gospel. And some of you all, you may not be called to be missionaries, like missionary Bobby. <laughs> I understand why you live a simple life now. I get it. Because at any moment, the Lord could say, it's time to go. So I'm not worried about my shoe collection. I love my Jordans. I'm not worried about them. I'm not worried about my house. I'm not worried about my job. Because once you say yes to the Father, everything else is taken care of. So that is my call. If you are so scared, it's okay. If you're nervous, if you're fearful of saying yes to God, we got leaders and um, elders here that just want to pray with you.